Healthy eating doesn't have to take up a lot of time. Matter of fact, it can be done on the go with the Blend Jet 2 Portable Blender. So now any fast food temptations that strike can be pushed to the side as you blend up a delicious and nutritious protein shake or smoothie. Blend Jet 2 is portable, so you can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or even a margarita at the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice and frozen fruit with ease. Blend Jet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house. It lasts for 15 plus blends and recharges quickly via USB-C. Best of all, BlendJet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water with a drop of soap and you're good to go. With so many different colors and patterns, you will have so many options to choose from. You might want to get more than one. So if you are interested in getting your BlendJet 2, grab yours today. And make sure that you use the promo code COFFEECONVOSLIZ12 to get 12% off and free two-day shipping. So again, that is Coffee Convos Liz 12 to get 12% off. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power, and innovation of the BlendJet 2. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with the BlendJet 2 portable blender. Go to BlendJet.com and use the code Coffee Convos Liz 12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. Shop now and get the best deal ever. All right, welcome back, Coffee and Combo listeners. I'm your host, Liz, and this is my my podcast where I talk about politics, wellness, and activism with just really awesome folks who have great things to talk about. And this episode is just like the others where I am so excited. And I have Micah here from Empathable. And I am very excited to get into a deep dive and explore what that is. But before I do that, one, welcome, Micah. How are you? Oh, thank you so much. It's really lovely to be here. Um, I'm doing great, Liz. Thank you so much for having uh, myself and also Empathable. I love it. And I cannot wait to pick your brain. But I will slow down and ask you my first question, which is, are you a coffee or a tea person? What is your favorite cup? And the reason if you're new to coffee and combos is I ask this is because I feel like sometimes we're a little bit like our coffee or tea order, right? So <laughs> we'll explore and see, is there any connections between, you know, your how, who you are as a person and uh, your favorite beverage order? Well, we have to be careful here because that question could literally take up the entire podcast. And I just want to say, um, at, least, at least for me, I, you know, I think the most amazing thing about coffee culture that we think about or we don't think about is is the the way that it is a culture, right? Um, my, my brother owns a coffee shop in Portland, Maine. Um, it's no. called Moon, yeah, it's called Moonday Coffee. It's super awesome coffee shop. And we talk about how like baristas and people who own coffee shops and run coffee shops are professionally friendly. They've learned how to be professionally friendly, right? But but it's really interesting how that ties into empathy because mm. that professional friendliness at its best is not you know they're not there. People don't start coffee shops generally because their plan is to, you know, become the most capitalistic, wealthy people that they can be. It's a lifestyle choice. And that lifestyle choice is one where they want to give something in service to 
uh, quality and dedication and care. And those sorts of those sorts of qualities translate really well into great people, you know, people who in the corporate workforce, for example, yeah. um, are also excelling. So I think if you go into a coffee shop and and you can know, you can immediately feel when you go into a coffee shop, if someone's going to be, um, give you a great cup of coffee, you know, if, is it going to have a beautiful design? Is, is the froth going to be the right amount and not too frothy? Is it going to be thoughtful? And it's something you can just feel. Culture is something you can just feel. And coffee has such a great example of that. Tea does too, I have to say. But it's like you see it less, you know, because there are less of those artisanal tea shops. Yeah, There's also more of like tea snobs. <laughs> it becomes a little bit more aggressive. Um, but yeah, I definitely see your point. So for you, like what right, you're going into, you know, Moonday Coffee, uh, mm-hmm. coffee shop. What are you ordering? Uh, <laughs> I'm ordering um, probably a six ounce cappuccino with oat milk. Um, I'll say wet if if I'm a little concerned that they're not going to get it right. Most time cappuccinos are eight ounces, but I really want something smaller. Um, so yeah, and you know, every once in a while I'll get whole milk because whole milk isn't the worst thing for you if you have it not too often. Yeah. Love it. It sounds like, you know, you need some energy to manage uh, everything going on. I like a nice, you know, I, I'm not a big coffee person, but mm. um, I do have espresso sometimes in a chai. And uh-huh. I don't know if it's just because I'm not used to caffeine. It will keep me up. I don't know if it's the same for folks that you know have coffee, but uh, it mm-hmm. will for me. What about for you? Yeah, I think that's why the milk is so important because it kind of like evens things out. You know? Really? Like if, I, if, I have, if I have like a drip coffee or an Americano, I'm, yeah, I'm wired all day. Um, but if I can just have like something a little bit smoother, with a little bit of milk, no sugar or anything, um, then yeah, I, it usually gives me exactly what I need. <laughs> around with different milks then and see like maybe it doesn't give me such a buzz <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. yeah thank you for that very cool so i picked your brain about your coffee order but tell mm-hmm. us about empathable and you know how how did this get started like what is this co- this company yeah thanks for asking that so you know when i do different podcasts and have different conversations i like to start in different ways so i'm feeling you know you're you're really inspiring beginning question make is inspiring me to want to start in a way i don't normally start which is like to all the listeners out there i just want to ask you like how are you doing with your job you know do you like your job is it something that you enjoy do you like your colleagues Generally speaking, the answer for most people is going to be mixed, right? It's not going to be a black and white answer. You're not going to have like, oh, I love everything about my job and all my colleagues and everything I do, unless maybe they're the business owner and then they're clueless about how their employees feel. <laughs> yes. Right? Um, or, you know, but there, and unfortunately, it will be to the other end of the extreme, right? People will be like, actually, I hate my job, I hate my colleagues, I hate what I do. In any event, no matter where you are on that spectrum, there was an article in the Washington Post that came out two weeks ago that basically said that productivity in the United States is at an all-time low since 1947. Right? And the, the subtitle of that article, and this part is probably going to make you and I laugh, Liz. The subtitle was, okay, it's U.S. workers have gotten way less productive, period. No one is sure why, period. <laughs> I, <laughs> I love that. Like, what do you mean no one's sure why? Like, who who is not sure why? Like, you know, and it goes back to that initial question of like, you know, why do you not like your job? When when we look at the amount of apathy 
lack of self-motivation, people who don't have professional development plans, right? These are the majority, the majority of us in that are, are working in organizations are, are putting in the hours, but we're not necessarily making the connections that we're looking to make either to propel our career forward or absolutely to feel a sense of purpose and belonging mm-hmm. at work. And that purpose and belonging is a, absolutely a diversity, equity, and inclusion conversation. And it's also a very human conversation, right? Like we all want to have a sense of belonging. There's two thirds of our life or whatever, right? Of our waking life is spent at work. Mm-hmm. We deserve, we absolutely deserve to be enjoying what we're doing. And I don't care, you know, what it, like it doesn't, it doesn't matter ultimately role, title, you know, the task, the activity, um, to me personally, it, what matters to me is at the end of the day, are you feeling like you had a valuable time? Right. And so, right. Yeah. Yeah. And so what Empathable is, is doing is trying to become a place where we can have a conversation on empathy within ourselves and within our organization to improve the connectivity, to improve ultimately the way that culture is functioning so that we're enjoying work and that the company is benefiting from us enjoying work more. Because when we do enjoy work, we are more productive. We are more efficient. We're more innovative. We solve problems better. Conflicts don't come up as much, right? We don't get thwarted by those conflicts. We stay at our jobs more. And we do this in a really interesting way. Um, and and I'll kind of, I'll talk about, I'll say what it is, but then I'll, I'll explain why it's interesting. So what we do is we give people the opportunity to walk in the shoes of other people who are different from them. Okay. And, and see moments in other people's lives that were very useful and valuable. So for example, everybody can, if I ask you who at your job is the best at giving feedback, like most people can answer that question, right? Like, oh, I love how Sarah, right? Or I love how Vanessa gives feedback. Like it's always so this and that. It's so warm and friendly or it's so thoughtful or it has so much empathy or whatever it is, right? Well, what if we could scale that, right? Like what if we could ask Vanessa, Vanessa, what are the moments in your life where you've remembered, like what what memories do you have of where feedback has been given really well or where you received it really well, or where you gave it really well, right? And she tells us about that, and then we recreate those moments, and then we share it with the whole organization, right? So you're watching point-of-view reenactments of real moments in Vanessa's life where she has learned about feedback, so that all of the other managers and leaders in the organization that aren't great at giving feedback learn through those examples. And the reason that that's interesting and different is because the way that we do learning and development in organizations today is through frameworks, right? It's through written examples Mm -hmm. and those are fine. And some of them can be really good, but it's not enough. It doesn't allow us to apply the knowledge and actually teach us how to become more, you know, inclusive leaders and, and become more empathic, empathic leaders and managers. And this is why work is failing us because leaders and managers are hired up because of competencies, but not because of their ability to lead. So that's what Empathable is doing. Oh my gosh. That's like so exciting and stimulating and like wonderful and like all the things. Um, because there's always the conversation of, you know, um, so-and-so is a really good boss, right? And we think of productivity and the numbers and all of that. But it's like, I wish 
I could just talk about how I'm feeling today or just be open or real with this person, right? I think there's like a realness that we do want from leadership that sometimes is hard, right? Sometimes there's not that connection. And so I love that you're exploring um, not just, right, the, the on paper of like do the X, Y, and Z, but really recreating those moments. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that really sticks out for me is when we're talking about improving companies, there's a lot of talk of like team building. Let's do this team builder. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. you're talking about empathy. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Can you, for those who might not know, can you just explain what is empathy? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, and I will just, you know, commenting on what you just said, team buildings can be so cheesy. They can be so conceptual, right? Like, but if we could just share stories about each other and really understand them, right? So, yeah, that that does tie in to, to the question of what empathy is because it's defined wrong in the dictionary. And this is really important to, to realize if we're going to be able to apply empathy in our lives. Empathy is defined as the ability to understand the feelings of another. That's problematic because we barely understand how we feel most of the time. And we will never, you know, our, our brains. So part of my work is at neuroscience labs at Northeastern and Harvard. And, you know, we know from our research that what our brains, our brains live in our heads. They're never going to be jumping outside and looking at the world. They're not creating a model of the world. They're creating a model of our senses. So there's all these layers between what's going on in our heads, the fictional reality that we're creating for ourselves and the reality of someone else's fiction that they're creating for themselves. There's all these layers and barriers to that where we can never really know what it's like to walk in anybody else's shoes. We'll never really know what it's like. Uh, we'll never really understand how anyone else feels, but that's okay. As long as that's not the definition of empathy If the definition of empathy instead is the ability to celebrate the validity of someone else's experience to be as valid as our own to realize that, you know, you, Liz, at this moment, and every single person who's listening to this, whether you're in the car or at the gym or whatever, your experience right now is just as valid and just as important and just as real and just as intricate and just as delicate and just as exciting or sad or confusing or lonely or um, hungry. <laughs> as as ours right that all of these qualities are existing in your moment just as much as they're existing in mine if i can hold the space to see that that is valid then we are on a great path to being able to work together to hear each other to agree to disagree but still stay whole right. and that's what empathy is it's celebrating the validity of each other's experiences if we can like bottle that and get that down, so many problems would be solved, right? Like your existence doesn't invalidate someone else, right? Both of our experiences um, can exist and have wholeness in it's each other. And so I love that. Um, yeah. it is, I live in a future. Yeah. yeah, I live in a future where I want your listeners to be able to walk in your shoes, Liz. Uh, you know, and again, never truly being able to, but the point is, Empathable is both a facilitated training that we give to leaders and managers and people at organizations. And we've done so for, you know, Fortune 50 companies, but also really small nonprofits and everything in between. So we're not partial to one or the other. But it's also an app. It's also an app that's coming out in 2023. And that what that app will do, yeah, it's going to let you have these walk in the shoes moments like two, three minutes a day. 
right? So imagine if all Not of your listeners, yeah, two minutes a day could like, just like think about it like TikTok meets Duolingo. You know what Come I mean? Like, you're just having this really, yeah, you're having this short burst immersive moment where they, you know, they open the app and they get two minutes in the in the day of Liz. But it's not just like any two minutes where you're like making a sandwich, right? Like it's it's two minutes that are a reenactment of a moment in your life where you felt is a really defining moment where you learn something about yourself, about empathy, about self-love, about caring for each other. And we're getting to have that that little tiny burst, that little tiny burst of inspiration from you, you know? And then tomorrow the same user goes on and walks in the shoes of, you know, uh, the chief diversity officer of Morgan Stanley, right? And and gets to see what it's like to walk in her shoes and what her experiences have been that have created who she is. And then the next day, they get to walk in the shoes of a Cirque du Soleil performer, right? That happens to be latinx and non-binary and they get to see what it's like to walk in their shoes and how they got to who they are um in life this is this is the future that i think we can be living in together and it's the future that can build a foundation of empathy that is super awesome uh how did what like did you wake up one day and like i'm doing this like how how did this get started (laughs) um it, this got started because previously I'd been creating immersive experiences for all types of organizations as a consultant. Um, so for Google, Disney, Diabetes Fund, for the Finnish government, um, created the world's top escape rooms, according to TripAdvisor. Um, so I had a previous company that did that. And so I'd been thinking about the way that immersive design can um, teach us things. And it, right, we learn in life through experience, but we teach in life through concepts. That, that's messed up. Like let's just let's just face that, right? Like education, we're doing it we're doing it wrong, <laughs> and we we're like we kind of we, we kind of know we're doing it wrong, but we're like it's like you know when you know you're doing something wrong, but you just keep doing it because you like like the whole world is doing that with education. And yeah. I'm sorry. It's yeah. like, well, like it had changed. Like, no, like we've done this enough to know, like it just gets worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm sorry for all the listeners out there who have kids that are in school right now that are being given concepts over and over and over again, because, you know, I'm grateful for the listeners out there who can help their kids, you know, have experiences that, that take those concepts and bring them to life. So this is something that's always inspired me. How can we take a life that is pretty conceptual and bring it to life. And I think that's inspiring for a lot of people, the idea of being able to experience things. So that's how this started, creating experiences of all sorts, and then realizing that um, we can do this through the the lenses of identity, through the lenses of race, gender, age, income, body type, sexual orientation on one side, like that part of identity, but also the part of identity that deals with, as I mentioned, you know, how do we have difficult conversations? Right. How do we how do we ask questions in a way that get the best out of other people? How do we be innovative in a group that is, is feeling stagnant? Um, and I think the workplace is a really wonderful place to be having this conversation because it brings us together anyway. And so how can we make that time more valuable? Yeah. Absolutely. In, in thinking about the workplace and making you know, that more valuable, 
um, there were quite a few different work environment shifts, right? So we all saw the articles about quiet quitting and the great resignation, right? And, you know, kind of like to the article about productivity and why is this happening, right? There's this question like, why are people leaving? Why are people quiet quitting? And is it a lack of empathy? Is it just money, right? Because I think that was a lot of like, people want more money or people just want to stay at home, right? There was like these kind of like superficial things of like, what is going on? But that doesn't seem to kind of get to the root of it for me. So kind of, you know, what are your thoughts on this quiet quitting and great resignation? And could empathy have maybe shifted that? Yeah, absolutely. So Let's talk about the money thing. Yes. Because I think that's that's a really easy out. Right? Like it's and the the truth is it's not true. Like sure, money, you know, a better paying job might might be um might be appealing, but I'm looking for a statistic that I remember uh 72% of employees would consider leaving their current company if they displayed less empathy. So in other words, if the company was not didn't have the empathy level that it did, most people would be leaving. Six in 10 employees would be willing to take slightly less pay if their employer showed empathy. How about that? 2017 Business Solver Workplace Empathy Monitor. It was published in Forbes, right? Like that's, right? 78% of employees would leave an employer for equal pay if the other company was more empathetic. This is not about money. <laughs> Like, wow, you take because in the spirit of quiet quitting, ultimately, it's I'm not engaged. And I can get away with not being engaged. And it's fine. Because there's nobody to care for. Because nobody really cares about me. Mm. let's, Let's make it like that simple. You know, I can I can get quite scientific about this. But if you take someone who is in a, a position where they are disengaged, and apathy has kicked in, it is very hard to change. How, however, humans do very hard to do things all the time with emotions and personal connection. And actually, that's the only way we do very hard to do things. Like every single movie ever made is about someone exerting emotions in a certain way at a certain point that got someone to change the way that they were behaving. So when we say it's very hard to do in science to change to take, take apathy you know, or an organizational behavioral psychology, when we talk about how it's hard to change an apathetic um, employee or someone at the workforce to become engaged, what we're really saying is it's hard to find the right person at an organization that knows how to have that emotional conversation. But the, the, the misconception of empathy is that we have to do it all the time. Like if, if I train my empathy muscle, Jamil Zaki, right, the empathy researcher at Stanford talks about how empathy is a muscle that we train. It's not something we're born with. If I'm training my empathy muscle, it doesn't mean I'm always flexing it. It just means that I have it. I have it. It's part of what I can do, which means, you know, earlier this week, like, let's say, you know, we work together, Liz, and in this particular, you know, role play, I'm your manager. You've been at the company for two years and by, and, you know, we've had a lot of turnover as most of America has, yes. right? Your, your um, promotions have happened, but they've happened slower than you wanted. You are keeping your eyes out for other things. And there's been a lot of strategic changes at work. And so you feel like uh, all the work you're doing isn't really making a difference anyway, because everybody keeps changing everything you do. 
okay, cool. That's our role play, right? So on Monday, I come to you and I say, you know, hey, how is your weekend? Like, what's been going on with you? And you're, you say to me, like, oh, you know, it's fine. Like, it's good. Took the dogs out. Um, not much to talk about, right? Sort of like a very, very capped right. answer, right? And then I could say, okay, cool. Well, let's talk about work now. Or I could say something like, okay, well, hey, that sounds nice. And, you know, um, I really hope that you had the time you needed to feel restful and, and feel good at work, you know, feel good at home. Right. Um, I know how that important that is, you know, and I hope that you're looking forward to a really nice holiday. And I just wanted to mention that before we got started. That would like so shift things. Right? <laughs> that like little thing of just humanizing people would shift so much in the workforce. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why can't we do this? Like, why can't we do these very, very simple things? And the reason is because we can't teach them through concepts. We can't teach them through, like, I can't tell a bunch of leaders and managers at an organization, okay, what your, your assignment for this week is to go to one of your team members and tell them that you really care about them and that, you know, their life matters to you because it won't work. What they need to do is they need to walk, they need to have that point of view reenactment moment, which is the one we just had, right? They need to hurt. And then... They absorb that and then they don't get it right away, but they sleep on it. And then all of a sudden something comes out of their mouth that sounded similar to that in their own words and they jumble it up the first time, but they notice they get a good reaction from it and they like that good feeling that they got. So they start repeating it. It becomes part of their vocabulary. And before you know it, six months later, a manager that has been relatively ineffective and has annoyed half of his employees is actually all of a sudden becoming more effective and people are liking him more. And it's happening through these small doses of learning. That's how we change quiet quitting. We don't change it by incentivizing, you know, higher salaries or, or another pizza party. <laughs> yeah, or another pizza party or another team building where we talk about, you know, something that nobody cares about. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like we we need to be in a space that feels real. Yeah. Otherwise, why would we be there? Our realities are all different anyway. So reality is never going to be the same for anyone. And that's the whole thing about empathy, right? Again, celebrating the validity that someone else's reality is very different, but just as real. So, okay. So none of us can define what realness is um, at work. So, okay, let's start there. And now from that space, let's try and make it as real as possible. What are some steps? So for those who are like listening and they're just like, oh my gosh, I want Micah to come to, to my company, but I can't do that right now. What are like one or two steps that people can do? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I definitely do recommend going to empathable.com and just looking at our blogs because, I, you know, there there's definitely things out there that are good to be like, to give you a direct answer um, to your question. I think that a really nice opener that we've we've done many times when we've shared facilitated sessions um, is is actually this. It's ask your next time you have a work meeting, you can ask your colleagues this question. If there's time for like, you know, an opener, breaking the ice, having a little bit of foundation together, ask them what is an item of clothing or an or an accessory or some, you know, some sort of object that 
has personal symbolic meaning for you in your life. It can be something that someone gave you. It can be something that you found yourself or something even that you once hadn't lost. And then here's the three-step part, part to the answer. First part is describe the item of clothing in as much detail as possible. Really describe it so I can really hear your description. Second part is why was it meaningful to you? And the third part is what are the three emotion words that come up for you, three single emotion words that come up for you when you think about this item of clothing? And then once you've done that, popcorn someone else in the group and have them share, or, you know, people can volunteer. And once you've all gone through it, talk about what you appreciated about what you heard. And this will change your entire month with every single one of these colleagues. And it will change your relationship with every single one of these colleagues a little bit forever. This is my, this is my bet <laughs> for all of those out there listening. If you do this with your colleagues, and if you really hold space to hear each other's answers, your relationship with every single one of them is going to change just a little bit. And if you want to do it, you and I, Liz, right now, we can do it too. Let's go. All right. All right. So Liz, what is an item of clothing that has symbolic meaning for you in your life? Okay. When you said that, um, head wraps came to mind, just like head scarves, mm. which is something I've, you know, gotten more into. Y'all have probably seen me in videos. Um, yeah. Um, can you describe a, one in particular? Yeah. So um, I have this one. It is like this pinkish purple color. Um, it is long and it's thick and it lets me do kind of like bigger head designs. I can sometimes have my puff out and it allows me to have some versatility. And um, what comes up for you when you think about this particular head wrap? Yeah, what comes up for me is a sense of culture, right? It reminds me of just seeing um, almost, you know, kind of like women in the church, you know, growing up, I grew up like in the church and I still have connection to the church and things like that, but like they would always wear hats and I can't really pull off the church lady hats, but a head wrap <laughs> kind of gives me that, that sense of tallness or that sense mm -hmm. of decoration. Um, I like that it is convenient and that it, um, again, that versatility comes to mind mm -hmm. and that ease. Mm. And what, when you, if I were to ask what three emotion words come up for you, if you just say three single emotion words, when you think about this particular head wrap, what are they? Comfort, unique, and power. Comfort, unique, and power. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you I for listening. Like, yeah. Um, do you want me to answer as well? Yeah, please. Okay. So um, I would say that the item of clothing that comes up for me today is a blue and black scarf um, from Acne Studios. And for, the, yeah, the reason that I... So it's it's blue and black. It's very thin. Um, and it's like a big... It's not even... You could call it a scarf. It could also be a head wrap, frankly. Like, it's a big square of fabric when it comes down to it. And I got it on the real reel, like on the, um, the, the thrifting, right? The secondhand website um, for like $35. And that's significant because Acne is very expensive. It's a very expensive company, Swedish company everything's like 
really expensive and I don't buy things that are that expensive in general, right? I'm not the person walking to a shop dropping $2,000 on a coat. So, right. Or even like, you know, one third of that. So what that means for me is like, I love their designs, but access to their clothing for me feels limited. And yet I was on the real real and I saw this scarf and I loved it. And it, I, you know, buying it gave me access to a design item that I felt connected to. I, I do love design. So it just, it, you know, and I can wear it at some, I can wear it somewhere. Like I was at the democratic um, election party in Massachusetts um, and I wore it there you know, but I can also just like wear it out because I didn't spend a lot of money on it. So I don't feel like it has to be a fancy right. thing. And I love that versatility to it. Um, and, you know, that's meaningful for me because I didn't grow up in a high income background by any means. And it, it's really nice to feel like I can still have access to the kind of mm-hmm. design. It's not about showing off, you know, it's about my love of design and being able to afford that. Right. So the three emotional words that come up for me are self-care um are um decisiveness and creativity yeah thank you for sharing yeah thank you so much for listening so yeah how how does our relationship feel different now that we've kind of gone through that i feel like i learned that you are into design but are also thoughtful about spending and just for lack of a better word, just kind of like the kind of like conserving the environment for some reason comes to mind. Just very like just thoughtful um, mm. in, in nature. Um, and I would not have known that in just our conversation, but just thinking about just the thoughtfulness and um, again, the versatility, right? You said this was a scarf that can be worn in different situations and things and mm-hmm. it gets a connection to design. And so it was really thoughtful to just listen to that beyond uh, just the interview space that we get to see. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And if I may, I'll also say Please. like, I, I got to learn about your relationship with the church. I got to learn about your the way that you feel about fabric as well. And, and also... You know, there like you're. I learned something about your sense of humor. You know, um, if we were to to do a project together, um, let's say that we were working at the same company and we're we've been put on a project team that is like looking at um, output on the production floor, right? Something completely unrelated to what we both talked about. I would feel five times more comfortable, like going into a meeting with you, than I did before that conversation. Absolutely. This wow. is like this is the the weirdness about like how broken our system is, right? Is like in such a short amount of time together today, we've established the the stupid simple <laughs> way that we could be, you know, having realness and connectivity and empathy at work in a way that would make it much more satisfying and it would make tomorrow like, you know, Oh, I'm going to see you tomorrow at work. Great. Looking forward to seeing you. And I actually mean it, you know, and... also I'd be looking for your scarf. Cause I knew it's something important to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm clapping right now. I love that. Thank you. And I'd be looking for your head wrap too. And I'd be asking you, is this the one you were talking about? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. 
this is what we need this is what this is what our country needs this is by and large what what the world needs this isn't only a u.s problem right we have quiet quitting everywhere we have low performers everywhere these are not less successful people these are people who we have not found a way to make successful um and yeah. it doesn't just stop there. Like it, I think about like, you know, you mentioned apathy and, and sometimes when I'm talking, you know, whether it's folks in the community, whether it's about voting and or just community development, it's like there's an apathy. No one wants to be involved. And like, is it they don't want to be involved or they don't feel connected? And we mm-hmm. ask them these like superficial questions of like, what would it take to get you involved? But what if we really just stopped and we we really focused on that empathy and that connection. And um, it would, I believe it would shift everything, right? It would make people want to show up because now not only are you trying to connect with them, but they're trying to connect with you. And I think that the work that you're doing is is fantastic. And I can't wait to, to learn more and to see more. And I know the listeners are too. So if they want to learn more about you, Micah, and the work that you're doing with Empathable, how can they learn more? Yeah, they can learn more, more by going to empathable.com. So you can just spell it like empathy able, except with the without the Y, right? E-M-P-A-T-H-A-B-L-E, empath able, empathable.com um, and, and reach out and we can, you know, share material. We can even set up a demo. Um, we love talking to culture people. So that means the DEI office, right? The diversity and inclusion part of your team. Absolutely. But also, and also absolutely the learning and development folks, right? The L&D team at your organization, the chief culture officer, the HR director in some cases, you know, a lot of companies that used to use HR use culture now. So we like those companies a lot. Um, So anyone who's in the culture part of the company is really welcome to either come to one of our webinars, which you can sign up on the website for, or just reach out to us and say, hey, we'd like to learn more. Can you set up a little time to share with our team? Fantastic. And listeners, if you missed that, it will be in the episode notes so you can grab that email and contact information there. Um, Before I ask you my very last question, do you have anything else that you would like to share with the listeners? Um, Anything you'd like to leave us with? Yeah, you know, if if you're listening to Liz, then, you know, you must be someone who I imagine thinks about what it's like to have self-care in 2022. Mm -hmm. Um, And if that's the case, I just really encourage you to remember that you're doing a great job (laughs) as you're hearing this, you know, wherever you are. And also take space to ask yourself how to see, hear, and understand whatever it is that you're feeling and see here and understand the feelings of another in in um in succession right it's empathy is also an exercise of seeing the self by seeing the self having more space to see the other by seeing the other learning different ways that we can see ourselves so it doesn't it's not a, a marathon that we run all at once it's little short bursts that's right. And walking in your own shoes can be just as important. Seeing the validity of walking in your own shoes can be just as important as seeing the validity of another. So, uh, you know, as we sign off today, I just want to you know, remind you to celebrate the validity of your own existence and your own experience just as much as you do those around you and those you care for. Lovely, lovely. 
Um, thank you so much for, for sharing um, a little bit of yourself and your company and the work you're doing. I cannot wait for this app and to learn more. Um, but my last question is, what's in your cup? And this is where I ask my guests and my listeners, what are three things you're adding to your day or to your week to get you through? And while you think of your answer, I'm going to give you mine. Okay. So in listening to our conversation, I'm really inspired to add um, meaningful conversations, connection and warmth to my emotional cup. Right. Um, I think that, you know, really just getting an openness and in connection with people on a deeper level um, because sometimes, right, we're right after an election here and there's talk of who's in control of this and policy and all of that. And it can sometimes make us feel divided, but really just um, not leaning into that, but leaning into connection and meaningful conversation. Um, in the warmth, it's cold, but also just the <laughs> warmth of people and the warmth of a warm beverage and things like that. So that's what I'm going to add to my day to really fill my emotional cup. Um, what about for you, Micah? Oh, thank you. That was really beautiful to hear. Um, I will, I will plus one that I'll double tap on that cup. Um, I'll order that as well. I'll, I'll also order a cup of, you know, kind of just hearkening back to this idea that the con the concepts that we've been taught in life of the, this is the way that things are, right? This is the way that politics are. Like, this is the way that the world fits together. Just remember that, you know, I think for myself also just remembering that that's not, that's not true. Right. It's not true. It's only partially true. It's mm -hmm. not entirely true. You know, in my cup this week is remember is, is looking at what is possible and, thinking outside of the box over and over and over again and doing it with people that inspire you. Try and find, you know, finding people that have experiences that are vastly different than my own. Uh, and, you know, that pluralism, that plurality of experience is actually the the fruit of the of the smoothie in your cup of life. Right. It's it's the, that's where all the nutrients come from is from other people's experiences and holding space to hear them. So that's what's in my cup this week. I love that. Thank you so much. And please keep us updated with anything that you have going on and be well. Yeah, absolutely. Keep, keep us updated too, Liz. Thank you so much for letting us be part of Coffee and Combos. And I look forward to talking to you more.